Hi, I'm Colleen. And I'm Mary-Kate. And you're listening to Twinteresting. Mary-Kate and Colleen here, coming to you the Tuesday after Easter. Woohoo! Happy belated Easter. We did it. Well, Jesus did it, but we made it through Lent. Woohoo! We did make it through Lent. So if you guys have been following us um, since the beginning of this podcast, our first episode was about Lent. And we told you we were giving up K-pop and K-culture, so K-dramas, Korean YouTube videos, anything and everything, Netflix, um, related to like Korean culture. And I did not think I would make it 40 days, but I am proud to report that I did make it 40 days. So then we binged hard on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> that was, you know, the intent of Lent to kind of just binge like Give up that. something yeah. and then the day it ends. Indulge heavily. Yeah. I was very thankful to the Lord. To have it removed for so long that right. I could appreciate to its fullest extent. Yeah, and I find myself, because I made it 40 days without it, now that I'm, like, wanting to go back into it so heavily, like, okay, Mary-Kate, you don't need this to survive. We don't need it to survive. It's a, it's the frosting on the cake. But it's not the cake itself. Yep. So something we wanted to talk with you guys about that I think I was more aware of this Easter is the dynamics between... Good Friday, or, yeah, Good Friday. No, Black yes. Friday. Okay. <laughs> In my head, I was like, no, it's not Good Friday. It is good. Good Friday is the religious one. Black Friday yes. is the shopping one. But the dynamics between that versus Sunday being, like, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. Because I feel like this year, for me, personally, I was just much more heavily aware of that contrast. Because Friday is a very hopeless day. Um, so if you are familiar with the the Christian context surrounding this holiday. Good Friday is the day that Jesus was crucified on the cross and died. And so that hopelessness that the disciples were feeling and his followers were feeling of, you know, this is who we thought was God and who we thought was going to restore the world. Essentially, and did we back the wrong horse? Did we back the wrong horse? Yeah, like this guy's very much dead and very much publicly humiliated. And Colleen and I are currently in a season right now where we... Actually, like, on Friday, so Good Friday, we're really struggling. We have certain hopes and dreams for the future, and we weren't seeing those pan out. It seemed like more doors were shutting than opening. Yeah. You could say. And so, as believers and as Christians, you know, it really made us doubt. Did we back the wrong course? Right. God, are you, are you there? Are you listening? Like, I would say the encouragement with um, the gospel story is that in some time, in some place, Jesus did tell his disciples that this was going to happen. Right. Multiple times, actually. Right. And I don't know if he said it quietly, where, like, you know, the teacher knows nobody's listening, so they just whisper <laughs> the directions, and then everyone's like, what? What did you say? Or if he made more public statements about it, because scriptures record him telling that it's going to happen, but no one seemed to remember it. And then after the fact, they remember, mm -hmm. oh, he said this would happen. Mm -hmm. We don't have that same reassurance in situations, you could say. Like, I have not sensed the Lord sending me a memo that, I, oh, you should do this next. You should do mm -hmm. that next. But you said something to me as we were going through this weekend that even if the opportunity looks like it's over at the moment, if it's from the Lord, it won't be stopped. It won't be thwarted. And a very wise pastor or mentor friend of ours has always encouraged us to pray for the Lord to shut doors that no man can open and open doors that no man can shut. So I think I was 
particularly reminded of that this Easter, that the Lord opens tombs that hell cannot keep closed. Mm -hmm. And no matter what we are experiencing in the moment that may appear to be a closed door or a helpless situation, he, he will make paths. Right. Yeah. Like, it's funny you say how Jesus told his disciples multiple times, you know, hey, I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back to life. And then he dies and they're all freaking out because they're like, oh my gosh, like, this is the end. When I feel like in our own life, you know, we do have an entire book to reflect on of God has given us certain promises. So even though we don't have daily memos of like, this is what's going to take place in your life, we have certain promises that we know we can fall back on. And I think one of the hard things for me is I grew up in a context in which if you followed Jesus and you did all the right things, then good things would happen. Or if bad things happened, then that meant you weren't walking closely with Jesus. And so you really need to like ask for him to forgive you and like pray more because if you're struggling or if you're going through hard times, that's all on you. God doesn't give people hard times if they're walking with him. Baloney. Yeah. And so I think having to transition out of that as an adult, realizing like Jesus himself went through hard times. So clearly as his followers, we're also going to experience that. Also the fact that even my plans, cause like there's a verse people love to use and it's like, oh, I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to give you a hope and a future and to prosper you. So that's kind of like a go-to for a lot of people of, well, you know, I need to be prosperous like financially and socially because God, God says that right here. And I think... Something that I'm aware of is God's plans don't look like our plans. Yeah, he wants to prosper us, but it might be prospering through difficulty and not prospering without difficulty. Like the disciples themselves, you know, they had a plan of like what it was going to look like to follow Jesus because they thought they were going to be next in line to like the king of the world. That Jesus was going to, you know, have an earthly kingdom and was going to overthrow the Romans and that was going to be like their future. And when you read through the rest of the New Testament, you get a picture of what that actually looked like for the disciples. You know, it looked like death. It looked like poverty and taking this message that was kind of frowned upon by the Jews and the Gentiles um, and the rest of the world. So I have plans for what it would look like to be prosperous in my life, but I know that ultimately God is like, I have other plans, so I need to be okay with that. Um, and ultimately, like, know that they're for my good, even if it doesn't look like earthly prosperity. Yeah. This is all foreign to you if you're like, I don't really know what they're talking about or have any desire to listen to what they're talking about. That's totally fine. This podcast is kind of like snippets of Colleen and I's daily interactions and conversations. So this is just an ongoing conversation we've been having. Um, so I hope this gives you an insight as to, like, our thought process and how we view, you know, our faith and our everyday life. But if you would like to know more... The recent NBC live musical of Jesus Christ Superstar, I feel, is a great <laughs> starting point. Yeah, great, great springboard into this kind of figure of who Jesus was and what it looked like for him to be here and his disciples. Especially um, his last moments. Yes, his last moments leading up to, you know, Easter. And if you love Andrew Lloyd Webber. Right, because who doesn't love Andrew Lloyd I Webber? know, I cannot maybe on one hand name some people. If you don't know anything about us, you should know that we are obsessed with musical theater. Thanks to our older sister, Megan. Thanks, um, Meg. Yeah, but back to the musical, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. If you are curious about how Jesus spoke and lived, there are certain numbers within the show that do a pretty good job of interpreting. Yeah, what, for sure. What the scriptures, what Bible yeah. verses like actually came to life mm -hmm. that they decided to help tell the story. Right. I feel like the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane? Gethsemane? Close. Yep. Close <laughs> enough. Is one of my favorite songs, but then also 
a great interpretation of Jesus's last moments before he's arrested. What would you recommend? I think the songs that Judas sings, or at least the, the scenes that involve him, depict for us who want to relate to Jesus, or even Mary or some of the gentler characters, our emotions, the way that we think and feel about Jesus' life are very revealing in what he says. Oh, I think for sure. I, I'm always taken aback when I hear his the lyrics to his songs, and mm-hmm. then I'm like, no, I probably would have said that. Yeah, yeah. would have thought the same exact thing, because even though removed 2,000 years from the situation, I think I'm so wise because I'm like, oh, I would never question Jesus like that. But if I had been mm-hmm. his disciple, I probably would have wondered what right. the heck is going on. Right. Andrew Lloyd Webber, like, I don't, I don't even know if he's aware of how, like, profoundly insightful his lyrics are. Tim Rice, who wrote the lyrics. But everything Judas says, I'm like, as a Christian believer in the 21st century, I have said these things or thought these things. Judas considers himself to be doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of Christians today were like, well, no, I'm doing the right thing. And it's like, well, in reality, you're you're not. You're like crucifying Christ because you think that you're doing the better thing. So yeah, it's very revealing. It's very humbling. Uh, You can expect lots of Jesus Christ Superstar gifs to be appearing on our Tumblr page. Yes, Mm twointeresting.tumblr.com. Yeah, we try and keep that updated for you guys with links to every week's audio podcast and then also just photos of our cat and other stuff we like. Segway into our (gasps) Minho Minute. For those of you who don't know, we have a Siberian cat that we rescued. He's golden birthdays on Saturday, He's guys. golden birthdays. Seven birthday. on the seventh. He's turning seven years old on April 7th, and we've had him for seven months. Aww. So it's like the trifecta of wow. days. Yeah. But we love our cat, and one of the things we'd love to do for our cat is to be able to take him on walks, because he... Wants to go outside. He's and got he's, a hankering for this springtime. Yes, he's an outdoor cat, but we live in an apartment, so he obviously can't go outside by himself. So what we'd like to know from you guys, who are cat people, who take your cats on walks, what harnesses do you recommend? He's a big boy. 15 pounds. Yes, he's very fluffy, yeah. um, between 15 and 16 pounds. So we have a harness, but he doesn't seem to like it because it's too small, I think. Yeah. Um, I've seen some really cool harnesses, like shark fins and different things like that on different people's cats. So if you know of any good cat harnesses for bigger cats, let us know. Mm-hmm. That's all we have for today. Thanks for listening.